I've enjoyed considering this the topic for tonight. I truly wish that Brother Dave Catlander could have been our speaker because I've always received a blessing when Brother Catlander spoke, and he's a truly great man of God and a great teacher. The topic for tonight is armed for the conflict. And I wish you would open your Bibles again, please, to the sixth chapter of Ephesians. And we're going to read from verses 10 through 13. Ephesians 6, beginning at verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Isn't that a wonderful phrase? There's no room here for boasting or swaggering or bluffing or trying to be big or trying to be strong. Be strong in the Lord. Remember what Paul said about his own physical condition. He says, there was sent, God sent a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. And for this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me, but he said, my grace is enough for you, my grace is sufficient. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Isn't that wonderful? And it's true. We lean the harder and we pray the more. Even the Lord Jesus, I just noticed that the other night. He had fasted for 40 days and was after that and hungered. And the word is he was starved. I think we would be after not eating for 40 days. And it says he came in the power of the Spirit. Isn't that wonderful? There he is. Look at him. He looks pale and shaken and weak. But he has the power of the Spirit in his ministry. So let's take this to heart as we close these lessons and bring them to sort of a head. My brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. You're not so strong. You're not so uh, capable that those shafts of Satan can't pierce your skin and your body and mortally wound you. So put on the whole armor, the panoply of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against wicked spirits in the heavenlies. Wherefore, he says for the second time, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand. Now that very word withstand indicates that we can expect to be buffeted. We can expect great opposition if we're true to him. But God would have us put on his whole armor that we may be able to withstand in the evil day and when that evil day is over, be found still standing. I think that's the sense there, isn't it? That you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. 
Now, I'd like to deal with two other passages along this line, but first, I'd like to say something about day and night, light and darkness. Dispensationally, we say, when Christ came, the light went on, and he said that, but that doesn't mean the whole world was bright, not by any means, not even all the nation Israel was in the light. Look at John 1, please. John chapter 1, verses 5 to 8. Or let's begin at verse 4. In him, in Christ, was life. And the light was the light of men. The light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. Think of it. The, the darkness was so Stygian, so Egyptian, so dense, that uh, somebody had to come and say, look, look, a light is on, a light is on. He came to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. So dispensationally true, Christ was here, and the light had come. But that didn't mean the whole world was immediately bright. Let's look, please, at chapter 3 of John and the 19th verse. And this is the condemnation, and it's a condemnation now. This is the condemnation, that light, is come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. They don't want to come to the light. Look, let's look at the 21st. Everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light. Why? Lest his deeds should be reproved. The light will show up his deeds. This is the convicting influence of the light. And they don't want it. They love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. One more passage in John, please. Chapter 9 and verses 4 and 5. Here the Lord Jesus says, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. So dispensationally, it was day then. The light was there. And the night cometh, or the night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. But they said, away with him. We don't want him. Give us Barabbas. And they sent him out of this world in exile. They put out the light, as it were. Now, dispensationally, there will someday be real day in this world. In the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi, and nearly the last verse, the fourth chapter and the second verse, I read these words. Unto you that fear my name shall the Son, S-U-N, of righteousness arise with healing in his wings. 
and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves in the stall. I wonder whether this is what Peter was thinking of when in 2 Peter, the third chapter, he protested and said, uh, we were not uh, telling you cunningly devised fables, I beg your pardon, the first chapter, 16th verse, we were not telling you cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming, that surely is the second coming, isn't it, of Christ to earth, of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. We saw his majesty. We saw his kingdom glory there on the mountaintop. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the Holy Mount. Well, let's stop here just a moment. He says, we weren't telling you fables. We saw his kingdom majesty. We heard the voice from heaven. This is my beloved son, hear ye him. And I'm so sorry that our beloved Dr. Schofield and those that were with him changed this. He says, and we have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto we do well that we take heed until the day dawn and the day star arise. In your hearts, of course, as you take heed in your heart. Dr. Schofield, or in the Schofield Bible, it says, let's see if I can find it here, uh, we have the word of prophecy made more sure. Oh, that can't be. That can't be. How in the world could you make the word of God more sure? The whole argument is, we're not telling you, we weren't telling you fables when we said Christ was coming back. It looked like he isn't coming now. Here's the, we wait and we wait and we wait and we wait until he has God. But we weren't telling you fables. We saw his kingdom glory. We heard the voice from heaven and what more, we have the more sure word of prophecy, whereunto we do well that we take heed until the day dawn and the uh, day star appears. Now, now, of course, the Lord Jesus is gone. That day star has not yet appeared. The day has not yet dawned. And the Lord Jesus, who said, while I'm with you, I'm the light of the world, He's up in heaven, and this is indeed what Paul calls this present evil age. And Satan is the god of this age, and he rules over the darkness of this age, we read in the uh, 6th of Ephesians. But now look at Exodus just a moment, before we go to these two passages I was referring to. The 10th chapter of Exodus, verses 20 one and the next two verses. And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thine hand toward heaven, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, even darkness which may be felt. Have you ever felt darkness? 
I did once, I may have imagined I did, but I really think I did. We were in Howe Caverns, New York, and I believe it was 287 feet underground. And when we had gotten deepest into the cabin, into the cavern, had come down by an elevator, when we gotten deepest into the cavern, they said, now turn off the lights and move your hand, wave your hand. And they turned off the light, and I declare it was as though I was in, in water or something of the kind. It seemed thick. And they said, you think it's dark here? It's not dark. Light is coming through the shaft of the elevator, even though the doors are closed. Some light is penetrating. But imagine what it was in Egypt when God shut off the light, as it were. Let there, there will be darkness, darkness which may be felt. And Moses stretched forth his hand toward heaven, and there was thick darkness in all the land of Egypt three days. They saw not one another, neither rose any from his place for three days. But all the children of Israel had light in their dwelling. In the middle of the day, dark, Stygian darkness in Egypt, but not in the homes of the, of the Israelites. There it was like day. There was light and brightness. Now with that in mind, please, let us go to Romans and chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. Another passage about uh, fighting and so on. The 13th chapter, beginning at verse uh, 12. No? Well, I'll read verse 12 first and then we'll go back. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of, works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. I truly believe, beloved, that there is a misunderstanding about what this verse says. Many people have the idea that the night is well along and that the, the day is ready to dawn and that therefore we should rise. No. Listen again what he says. We're going to go now back to verse 11. Knowing the time that now it is high time, not almost time, it is high time to awake out of sleep. Why? For now is our salvation, our complete salvation, nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent. It's been spent a good while. The day, and there the word is, the fuller day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Do you get the idea? There's a war going on. And Christians are sleeping. They're sleeping when they ought to be wide awake. The night is well gone. The fourth day is almost here. He says, throw off those night clothes of darkness and put on the armor. And he calls it an armor of light. Light is an armor, is it not? The unsaved are afraid to get near the light. But he says of the saved, ye are light. 
Once were you darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Now then. So he says, put on the armor of light. Napoleon was asked one time why it is that he kept winning. It seemed that no army, that the army of no nation could withstand his army. What was the secret, a general asked him. He said, that's easy. We get up two hours earlier. <laughs> we get up two hours earlier. Here Paul is saying, oh, you ought to have been up a good while ago. Get the force of that word. Now notice again, it's, it's high time you wake out of sleep. The coffers, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off, throw them aside. Don't just uh, uh, take your pajamas off and put an armor on. Oh, no, jump out of bed and cast off the armor, uh, cast off the night clothes of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on, there's what our brother was talking about this afternoon, and several have in this series. Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now what did he say in the previous uh, two verses before? Put on the what? The armor of light. What is that armor of light? It isn't a what. It's a whom. <laughs> it's Christ. Put on Christ, and in him you are strong. That's why he begins in Ephesians 6 and the 10th verse, Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make no provision for the lust of the flesh. Make no provision for the lust of the flesh. Any man that warreth and tangleth not himself with the affairs of this life, the bane of the uh, war with the south against the north, the bane of the southern problem was that these rich people were following along with, with the carriages, you know, with goodies for their sons. They should have forgotten home and gone on and fought. That was a great problem for the south during the war between the states. Now then, let's go further, please, to... 1 Thessalonians 4, and get the feel of this uh, still uh, more clearly, and the, the uh, thought in our minds the more clearly. 1 Thessalonians, let's begin at chapter 4, verse 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. I used to get and it came from some town in Ohio, but I never found out who the man was. He called himself Jonathan Truth. 
something like Master Arsulamrock, <laughs> called himself Jonathan Truth. And he wrote the best things. They were always carbon copies of type things. But he had a great insight into the word. And he said in one of his articles that the end of chapter 4 has to do with the we people. Well, he talks about those who are asleep, but they join us. They join the we people. And together we are caught up to be with the Lord. That has to do with us, you see. Now, in chapter 5, you have to do with the they people. The fifth chapter, but of the times and seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Now already we have three prophetic phrases. One from the Lord Jesus when he was on earth, but still a prophetic phrase. The times and the seasons, the day of the Lord, and the thief in the night. Now he says, I don't have to tell you about that. You know all about that. It's the other that they should not be ignorant of. This prior hope has been called. This hope of the body of Christ that before he pours out the poles of his wrath on this wicked world, he will take us away to be with himself. Now then, let's go to verse 3. Here he begins. For, now this is what these prophetic events will uh, concern. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. You're the children of the light and the children of the day. It may be dark for the world, it is indeed, but it's not dark for us. We're not of the night. We don't belong to that category. The rest of this message is on side two. Please turn your tape over at this point. The children of the light and the children of the day we are not of the night, nor of the darkness. Now what does the next word say? Let's all say it together. Verse 6, good and loud, that first verse. Therefore, I, I think I heard it. Would you try that once more? Therefore, let us not sleep as do others. Wherefore, because for us it is day, it's not night. There's no the greatest reason to be awake, beloved, and on our toes for him is that we have come to the light, and for us it is day. That's the great reason. We're not told, and here's where our dear free or post-trib, post-tribulation folks, they think the Lord is going to come for us after the tribulation. You see, everything was fine until the first few people believe that, until... Oh, then you had the atom bomb, and then they had the hydrogen bomb, and then they got the nitrogen bomb, and people started going like this, you know, and then they said, well, maybe maybe we will have to go through, you know. And Paul says, oh, I beseech you by the, the how does that go again? I beseech you by the coming of Lord and our gathering together unto him, that you be not soon shaken in mind or troubled, as that the day of the Lord is at hand or is here. 
No, he says, that day can't come until some other things come first that certainly haven't taken place yet. So, here's where they make their mistake. They think that we should be awake in the night because the thief is coming, you see. He's coming as a thief in the night and we should be awake not to be caught. Oh, but that's not the thought here at all. We're not told to be awake and ready with our shotgun in case the thief comes. No, we're told to be awake because it is day. And in Romans, because it is wide open skies and bright daylight. Now then, ye brethren are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light, and the children of the day, ye are not of the night nor of the darkness. Isn't that wonderful? It's wonderful to hear and say you're in the world, but you're not of the world. I think it's even more wonderful to say you're not of the night. You're not of the darkness. And don't we feel it when we think of the world and the sin? Oh, our own sins are bad enough, and they're more heinous perhaps because... We have sinned when we know that he died for those sins, and we keep doing it, don't we? We keep failing him, even though we know those are the very things for which he died. Ah, but still the the world and its sin and its godlessness and all that it stands for, all its darkness, we're not of that, are we? And we feel it. We know it. And it's blessed us. It's caused a great change in our lives. We're not of the night nor the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. They that be drunken, be drunken in the night. People do two different things at night. They go to bed and sleep, or they stay up and carouse. Few have to work, <laughs> but there's a, there's a small minority. I remember I used to uh, compare or contrast in my mind to Springfield. Springfield, Missouri. That, of course, is and was then the center of the Church of God. Whatever their mistakes, it was a great community of basically, of basically composed of Christian people. They loved the Lord. It goes through that town at night, and it was like a dark graveyard. <laughs> Just a few lights along the street, everything was dark. Everybody was to bed. The night was that was it. And I used to think of another Springfield. Springfield, Illinois. I've come through there also late at night. I used to have to drive overnight sometimes. Come through there late at night and drunkenness and debauchery going on. You say, where in the world are the police in this town? You see? Ah, but here it says, they that sleep, sleep in the night. And they that be drunken, be drunken in the night. But let us, for of the day be neither. Let neither be asleep nor drunken. Let us who of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, 
for an, and for an helmet the hope of salvation. You see, beloved, why we ought to be awake and watching? Because it's day for us. For us it is day. We're not of the night nor of the darkness. We're of the day. Why should we be up and fighting? Why should we put our armor up? Because the night's far gone. And the full orb day, noontime, if you please, is at hand. And there's a battle to be fought. Now, may God, by his grace, help us to get up and really throw off the night clothes of darkness, whatever there is that is hindering us believers now from serving him as we should and from fighting this great battle that he has given us the honor to be engaged in. May we throw off the night clothes of darkness and put on the armor of light put on as the two verses farther say the Lord Jesus Christ in a sense we put him on Ephesians and Colossians one says you put him on and the other says put him on <laughs> well positionally we are in Christ ah uh, but does the world see this do we are we experientially all wrapped up in Christ. Is he the one in whom we live and move and have our spiritual being? Is he the one in whom we uh, find our all? And when, so that when people come into contact with us, they've come into contact with Christ. May God grant that it may be so.